Welcome to Air for VR Counselors. I'm Dr. Olivia. Thank you for joining us. Today, we are joined by Mustafa Rafat. Mustafa is a graduate student and a trainee at the Leadership Education in Neurodevelopmental Disabilities at West Virginia University. He is a passionate advocate for equal rights for people with disabilities. Mustafa came, from the United, came to the United States as a refugee from Iraq in 2011. He currently has a master's degree in social work from West Virginia University and is actively pursuing a master's degree in public administration. In addition, Mustafa has recently been admitted to a doctoral program in social work at West Virginia, I'm sorry, West uh, Washington University in St. Louis. Uh, congratulations on that. <laughs> his, research in, uh, his research focuses on refugees with disabilities access to education and training. Mustafa, welcome. Oh, thank you very much for having me on. Um, I'm very excited to start this discussion. Yeah, and again, congratulations on all of your success. You're wrapping up your master's degree and then transitioning onto your doctoral studies. So early congratulations on that. <laughs> thank you very much. So first, let's begin by you telling us about the, like, how did you develop your research interests? Yes, um, so my research really started from a personal experience. Um, as you mentioned, I came to United States as a refugee from Iraq. And during my refugee uh, period in, uh, in Northern Turkey, I, I become an interpreter uh, because I speak different languages. So. And that was the, that was my first observation of the challenges of refugees with disabilities. Mm -hmm. um, as I was helping, um, helping them um, uh, get their paperwork done, I realized that, you know, refugees with disabilities have very hard time in uh, meeting the definition of well-founded fear. Um, and because like, people with mental um, um, issues, with intellectual um, disabilities have really hard time in explaining what fear means and recalling their traumatic experiences. So that was a, that was a very heartbreaking for me and I tried to advocate for them to have equal access to become like to gain the refugee status. Yeah. Um, so yeah, and then after that period, I was like, if I get accepted to any country, I will uh, devote my time to help people with disabilities, refugees. Um, so yeah, I got the chance to start my bachelor's degree at West Virginia University in social work. Um, I focused on mental health, on disability issues. Um, yeah, and that's how I become very interested in this topic. Yeah, and I think you just shared something very interesting because I myself, myself and my family came to the US as refugees as well. And that is a component that I, my, being a refugee, didn't even take into account how, depending what somebody's um, ability to articulate their experience, how that can impact their ability to then, uh, you know, move and transition to another country. 
um, like th- like how how critical that aspect of it is because I I know how strenuous that process is to get a refugee status. So having that being an added piece, how that can be a a barrier to a lot of people if the people involved in the refugee status process do not take that into account. So uh, um, that's, that just brought an awareness to me and I have a firsthand experience <laughs> as a refugee. So that is very, very interesting. So what of uh, kind of continue to talk about the, ex- the unique experiences of refugees, what would you want um, vocational rehab counselors to know if they're having the opportunity to work with not only refugees, but refugees specifically with disabilities? Yeah, so um, I think um, I would like to go a little back to the refugee experiencing camp. Mm-hmm. Um, so I read in a statistic, um, and uh, I think it was like uh, out of 25 million refugees, almost 10 million of them reported having disabilities. Mm-hmm. So think about the disability prevalence among refugees. Mm-hmm. Um, and we already know having the refugee status, how challenging that is. And when you add the disability piece on it, it makes it really, really hard. Um, so when, uh, um, so before you resettle in a country, you get to do like an uh, orientation and that orientation, they teach you about the things you are going to be doing in the host nations. And throughout my research, I found that unfortunately in these cultural orientations, there is nothing about disability resources. Mm. Um, Because I remember as a refugee with disabilities, Uh, The only thing that I was hearing while I was in a refugee camp is that, okay, when you get to resettle, you will be like getting some help from the government and that's how you're going to live your life. And as a young man, I, you know, that was a very hard to accept it. Mm -hmm. I was very passionate to go back to college to, you know, pursue a career to, to, to like help others. Um, So as you can see that disparity starts from the beginning. Mm -hmm. And when you move to, for example, I came to United States, Um, obviously one of the challenges I had was they, you know, they don't accept your previous credential in the United States. So I have a teaching background. And when I applied for a college, um, they were like, we are sorry, but we cannot accept your degree from Iraq. So at that point, I lost like four or five years of my life. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, beside that, um, uh, you know, the, 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 the disability piece was really, re- I have a physical disability. So, um, you know, I, I had a, a hard time in understanding what resources are, are available for me. Um, you know, as you know, like when refugees come uh, to a new country, it's hard for them to know um, to know the services that are available for them. Like yeah. back in Iraq, we don't have services like rehabilitation services. So um, that helps you get education, get training, and become independent. You know, become self-sufficient. Um, 
and 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 I think that's a that's a very important piece to know for a provider uh, that the, their clients are not aware that there is services available for them, and also um, an important piece I think uh, is. The policies that we have, especially at the rehabilitation services, is not inclusive. At least from my experience, I can say that. I remember when I when I applied for a scholarship through a disability organization, um, they re required me to do to take a test uh, to be eligible for the scholarship, and I agreed. So I while I was taking the test, I realized that many of the questions that were that they were asking was designed for someone who lived in the United States for for a long time who finished high school in the United States who's familiar with the culture and as someone who was resettled for two three years that was it was hard for me to know it mm. and uh, as I left the the test that day I I, I was very disappointed. I knew I failed the test, mm. but I was like, you know, I, there must be something that I can do to help my counselor understand my situation, that this test was not designed to, for refugees uh, yeah. with disabilities. So I asked my friend who was uh, in college at that time to give me a word uh, that every college student should know it. So he gave me a word, I think it was in biology. Um, and I, after 10 days, I went to get the result of the test. Um, and I told my counselor, please don't tell me the result of my test because I know I failed it. And um, so I told her, I'm gonna give you a very short test. If you know my test, I will just walk out. I don't need any help from you. But if you fail my test, you need to at least give me a chance. You need to support me at least for one semester to see if I'm able to, 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 to do college. So I told her um, that I'm gonna give you a word. If you can spell it, if you know the meaning, uh, then you pass my test. Okay. And if you fail it, then you know we need to start different discussion. So I told her the word and um, you know she couldn't spell it. She couldn't tell me the meaning. I just wanna make it clear. My goal was not to embarrass her. Mm -hmm. My goal was to um, help her understand that, you know, hey, you know, you went to college in the United States. You have a master's degree. You were exposed to this word and yet to, you see like you couldn't recall it, but how, you are how for someone like me who was not exposed to the knowledge to the experiences that you asked me when when you did this test how you expect me to know it mm -hmm. so my um you know my social worker was you know very kind and she was like you know you have a very valid point um mm -hmm. and we consulted with her supervisor and um and they were like, you know, Mustafa, we are going to give you a chance to go to college for one semester. If you pass it, then we'll continue helping you. Yeah. Guess what? You know, in my first semester, I my GPA was like 3.6 and I finished my bachelor's with a 
uh, recognition of com, uh, uh, com uh, laude. Uh, I don't. I forgot the this award. But oh, come on. Okay, with honors, you basically graduate with honors. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. and and you can see like um, our policies really does not reflect um, that the true values, the true culture, the, the true population we have. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, I think that's that's something very important for the consular at the PR to know. Yeah, so I think you're bringing in so many different factors, right? So basically, uh, from what I heard th from your own personal experiences, the limitation around that cultural consideration and cultural competency within the VR community, because I've, personally, when you look at the mental health world, I do feel that the disability services are a lot more inclusive than other spaces, right? Because you are working with, you know, with accommodate, accommodation is literally what you do. Uh, but I, I have become more and more aware that there is still that culture piece that sometimes is a miss. So we're very conscientious um, about just like the disabilities that we're working with, but not always the cultural context in which the person is coming from. So if we're talking about, you know, even socioeconomic status, how that's gonna look different if somebody has a disability and they're coming from a privileged uh, background as far as like socioeconomic status or coming from a marginalized community, coming from a single parent. Uh, and now for you, you're talking specifically, you know, somebody who is coming, assimilating into a new culture and how some of the practices around accessing additional services at this moment are not taking those cultural uh, contexts into consideration. Um, and I see how, now I understand why you're pursuing a doctoral degree because that was such an amazing <laughs> like thing that you were able to put together that really brought up a valid point um, for your VR counselor. There, so I'm really happy to hear that. One, you were so proactive in advocating for yourself and then you also were teaching your VR counselor, you know, some some cultural considerations there like hey you know let's kind of put a, let's consider a couple of things and let's let's look at me specifically and uh see how limiting some of these things are it, this could have potentially kept you from being able to be where you are now um so thank you for sharing that and, and kudos to you again for being such a strong advocate <laughs> for yourself um that has led you to being where you are now about to go into a doctoral program um, so with that, what are some of the strategies that you will recommend uh, for VR counselors to, when working with, um, with refugees with disabilities, what are some like tangible things that they can start doing now to be more inclusive when working with this population? Yes. Um, so I think, um, you know, like the, 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 you know, the previous uh, administration um, really dismantled um, refugee program in the United States. And what that did is that right now, um, refugee resettlement agencies are really not able to um, effectively help 
um, refugees, especially refugees with disabilities who need more help in their early period in that first two years. Mm -hmm. um, because they, their funding was cut, they had to be closed, you know, they, were, they had a lot of issues. And um, I think uh, what the uh, rehabilitation services and other social programs need to do is reach out to the social, to the refugee resettlement agencies and um, just brainstorms like how refugee resettlement agencies can refer uh, refugees with disabilities um, after they help them they refer them to social services, specifically rehabilitation services to help them with education, to help them with training. Um, unfortunately, like the, because the rehabilitation, the, the uh, refugee agencies, they don't have that many uh, staff that they, they can spend much time with refugees with disabilities. So what happened is that refugees with disabilities get their uh, 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 like most of them like try to apply for SSI or other like social programs. And after that, they just, you know, like fall in this gap where they don't know what's next for them. Mm -hmm. They don't know if there is other disability services available for them to help them with their education, to help them with uh, 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 other social, you know, services. And when you know uh, rehabilitation services fill this gap, mm. then after like one year or two years, when the resettlement agencies help refugees get completely resettled, then they can like uh, uh, access rehabilitation services immediately, instead of like waiting years and years and years to trying to find these services by their own. Because of the language barrier, because of the bureaucratic systems we have, because of the, uh, 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 you know, because of the health issues that many parents, uh, 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 with uh, many refugee parents experience when they resettle, you know, that, you know, really discourage them to like seal, seek additional help if they have a child with disabilities. So, um, or even if they are themselves disabled. So um, I think that's what, you know, uh, 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 re uh, rehabilitation services can do to effectively help um, this vulnerable group. Yeah, uh, I, I like the, the suggestion about collaboration, right? Because it's, I think sometimes we can start feeling overwhelmed, like, oh my goodness, I have to do something more. I have to create something more where really you're saying create uh, a working alliance between the VR professionals and uh, refugee services to really figure out, okay, how can we make this transition as seamless as possible? And like you mentioned, so that we don't have so many people falling into those gaps because they're not aware of the services that are available there. And, um, and again, I think this is going back to me. I'm seeing this trend about, again, this cultural, um, this cultural context, because if I'm coming from a background where disability services was not a thing or it was very limited, I'm not going to 
know what to ask, right? I'm not going to know even when I'm going through my initial, like going through the uh, refugee services to ask like, hey, what are some of these services? How can I get access to these services for myself, for my children, for my family members? Because you just don't know that it's available. So I really love that, that recommendation to create an alliance so that way the VR services are in communication with the refugee resettlement um, programs to make sure that they're providing the language and the context. Because again, I, I really do understand the piece about just not knowing. If you don't know, you're not going to seek it out. Um, and then like you mentioned, years passed before you realized that they were actually services available that could have been supporting you um, this entire time. So I, 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 I'm all about collaboration. So I, <laughs> I love that recommendation. Um, the next question that we have for you is, what can VR counselors do then to, uh, to maximize VR services when working with refugees with disabilities, specifically youth, right? Because like our focus with our project is around youth. So when thinking about the different VR services that are available, how can VR counselors like really maximize the benefits of what they have to offer when working with young people who are also refugees, who also have disabilities? Yes. Um, um, so I think there are several things. I mean, first of all, like uh, as I mentioned earlier, like look at the policies we have, are they inclusive? Do they have, does our services have language uh, plan? Um, because we know when refugees resettle, they usually have language issues. Um, do we have a language plan that makes it easy for refugees with disabilities to communicate with us? Um, do we have like, um, um, like community outreach uh, where refugees are more likely to uh, to socialize or to to be like the mosques, church, or other other uh, recreational places, uh, uh, you know, we need to like reach out to these places and tell them about the services we have. Um, you know, like the, you know, like the that diversity, especially among refugees, it is it's really not one size fits all. So we really have to think. Um, you know, we need to make sure that the services we are providing is, is culturally sensitive, does reflect the values and, and, and the perceptions of refugees, um, you know, especially refugees with disabilities. I love that. Again, the theme today, I feel, is like that cultural sensitivity in making sure that we're really being uh, inclusive. Um, and I also think the added layer Right, when you think about, I can also see there being a need for education around refugee experience and what does it mean for somebody to be a refugee? Because um, if you're coming from the traumas that we come with, makes it very hard to trust people, uh, especially anything that has to deal with anybody's government. And so I can see even if you're talking about youth specifically, how some parents could be hesitant to get their kids involved in a system that they're not familiar with. So 
understanding that that initial hesitation or struggle to buy in, even once they sign up for a program, might not be that they don't like you. They just don't trust rightfully so. Because if I'm dealing with trauma, I'm adjusting, I'm I'm getting accustomed to a new culture, a new way of life. Now I'm having to, you know, meet new people. And as you mentioned, there's a code, there's that language barrier potentially. And now you're talking about my babies, (laughs) you know, like there could be some potential hesitation to just get involved um, just because you don't know and the fear of just still working through that trauma that you've experienced. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. I think this work is is going to be even more and more important as as the current administration, um, um, you know, presidential administration is uh, promised to increase the number of refugees accepted in the United States. So, um, so that means we're going to see more refugees in our community. So, I think, you know, you know, I, I this work is going to be very very important. Exactly. Um, any final uh, words or thoughts to live our listeners with just uh, from either personal experience or just a professional recommendation that you have for them? Well, I mean, I really want to thank you from the bottom of my heart to include, um, you know, you included the refugees with disabilities because all, often this group is just um, very, very underserved. Um, and and I think like as a providers, we have really ethical obligations to make sure that we are including everyone in, in this process. And as we know, economic stability um, is such an important factor that determines um, someone's future, especially their future health, their future, um, you know, the their, their integration to our society. They, you know, we are opening a space for them even to contribute back to society. So I think the rehabilitation service is such an important place for refugees to be familiar with, to get access early, early on, uh, because this is, this is how we can ensure that, um, you know, like we are helping everyone in our society. Most definitely. And thank you for taking the time to come and speak with us about such an important topic. And I'm very excited for the future work that you will be doing uh, as you transition into your doctoral program. I think your your passion um, rooted in your own personal experience is going to make a word of difference for this unique population. So thank you for the work that you're already doing and the future work that I know you're going to do, um, continue to do in the future. So again, thank you for joining us and we appreciate everything that you shared today. Oh, you are more than welcome. Thank you for having me on. Of course.